What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are soft after the worst day for the NASDAQ since October. Worst for the S&P in about three weeks. Huge news day as Airbnb goes public. The FDA meets on Pfizer. Disney Investor Day, jobless claims at an 11-week high. Our roadmap begins with Airbnb on tap, set to debut at the NASDAQ. Pricing above the range, values the company at $47 billion. Brian Chesky will join us live this hour. Plus, tech stocks, as uh, Becky said and Carl mentioned, have gotten a little hit. The NASDAQ coming off what was its worst day in six weeks, and it is set yet again for a lower open. And we're keeping an eye on Facebook, of course. It is moving, that is, the stock lower in the pre-market. This after a pair of lawsuits filed by the Federal Trade Commission and then 48 separate states, all accusing the company of engaging in anti-competitive behavior, Carl. Something we just heard Jim talking with Joe about. Over to you. Yeah, there's a lot to get to on that. Of course, Airbnb is going to be the lead this morning, Jim. Coming off of uh, DoorDash yesterday, a $47 billion valuation, as we said. Going to raise 3.7, and that's going to make it the biggest of the year. Well, look, I think that one of the things that really, if you look at the timing of yesterday's market, as we heard over and over again, the DoorDash price, the uh, NASDAQ kept going down, as almost as if there was a one-for-one where people had to sell whatever they owned and get into uh, the the latest and greatest. Yeah, Look, my biggest fear is is that uh, we're going to get B&B at uh, reverse at maybe $74 billion. Maybe it'll be uh, $94 billion. I don't think there's any level that some of these buyers uh, aren't willing to pay. And the problem with that, obviously, although uh, DoorDash didn't close at at the low, it made a stunning recovery at the end of the day. But the problem with that is I don't know how much capital there is to fuel these, particularly with Robinhood coming up. We just don't necessarily uh, have enough that we don't have to sell something first. And, Carl, that's what happened with the NASDAQ. And I think the NASDAQ futures are reflecting that the exact same thing could happen again today. Jim, you know, I feel like... there is the speculative nature of the markets reflected to a certain extent in that incredible move that we had DoorDash on. But then right. a lot of it is really focused on Tesla. And you looked at Tesla's reversal yesterday, and it's sort of, in a way, it kind of reflects the broader technology. Yeah, you know, I was working on that this morning. We were doing a mind melt, David. Uh, live long and prosper. Yes, sir. Because I was thinking that that, that Tesla potential peaking, and I, I do like it, but there was a sell today. Almost, that was the bell cow for this entire move. And suddenly added to the S&P, maybe it's not going to go any higher. It's giving it so that there's not the halo uh, to the pay anything group. Now, even if you say that, people who own hydrogen fuel cells and they own EV and they own anything that doesn't have any earnings right, are saying, whoa, maybe we made a mistake here. Well, they do seem to move with Tesla. It's yes. not as though they're moving separately based on potential market share and one winning and one losing. They're, they're all part of the same. So we watched that QuantumScape yesterday, a recent SPAC deal that oh, yes, we focused yes. on that put out news that really wasn't new but went up 
30% or something. It's coming back down today. But on Tesla, Jim, it was reminiscent for me yesterday watching the tweet Uh-oh. storm that occurred after we discussed the valuation, simply reading from a J.P. Morgan note. By the way, that analyst who's been dead wrong for a Total, period yeah, of time. Yeah, second worst bear, whatever it's called. But it did remind me of the late 90s and the mail that I used to get. Yeah. Actual mail. Mail. Saying that I didn't know, we didn't know anything, Joe and I back then, because it was the old squawk box, about anything we were doing, we couldn't figure out how to do math, and it was related to names like AOL and things like that, but very reminiscent of that. Yeah, look, I am getting a similar, I'm almost, uh, look, I'm never afraid to say anything about a company, but when you criticize a uh, workhorse, uh, when you say that maybe Lordstown can't make it, uh, people just think that you are against the wheel, you're against the pulley. Uh, simple machines that have been with us forever. And when I look, look, I happen to think the world of Airbnb and I think the world of DoorDash. That itself is not a reason to buy a stock, David. Just because you think the world of it doesn't mean you should buy it. And uh, I think the world of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm not buying the Pittsburgh Steelers. There, Stan Druckenmiller. I'm not buying the Panthers there, David T- Dave Tepper. I just find that it's kind of, uh, there's such wonderful optimism. And I love optimism, Carl. I think it's terrific. But I did not like the price that DoorDash was at. And not just because if you add up this yeah. and that and this and that. It's just, it just shows me people don't know how to buy stocks. They just come in with a market order. And they don't care where it goes. So, no penalty to so, being wrong. So, Jim, when you couple uh, what you said about new supply, uh, COVID cases, we're having 3,000 Americans now die every day. 11-week high in jobless claims. Uh, stimulus is in a quagmire. Um, I mean, is the music stopping here? That was a note out of Baycrest yesterday. I think the uh, music Asking the question, saying, right. well, the, the song at least, is, uh, the song appears to be skipping a little bit. Well, the music's pausing, and it is a, a little uh, frightening to think that 3,000 people were killed 9-11, 3,000 people dying every day here. I mean, it, you, you, you got to just catch your, catch your breath and you just say, wow, what is happening? At the same time, I think that the, the, when I go back to the Lyft Uber period, we had uh, some down and then we recovered. It is a seasonably strong period. Uh, I just think we have to get through these deals. But I do know that if you just buy it for any price, uh, David, if you just go in, and just say, you know what, it really doesn't matter because it's going to be worth it someday. That's right. what we ran up against, David, in 1999. It's we, going to be worth it someday. We did, but I, to be fair, it was 1997 and 1998. Right. And I remember we were talking about things as arcane as, you know, yeah, value and, and what that meant then. And the stocks continued to, they only increased uh, more rapidly in terms of valuation until we got into uh, the spring of 2000. Well, that and was, then, it, and then it ended. But you know, there was a lot of years between when people certainly started to question the valuations, Jim, and when they actually came down. Now, by the way, that was a period where interest rates were far higher right. than they are now, far higher. And you know, I'll have this conversation in the morning, and some people will say, "Yes, history does repeat itself," but it does rhyme. And others will say, "Yeah, but you know, the interest rate environment is so completely different now." Money is free, uh, and, that, and until that changes, forget it. Well, look, I, David, I've got to tell you, uh, I was watching the tape underneath this morning, and I finally see some minus signs. Virgin Galactic, David. Yeah. It seems to have reached some level where people are not excited about it. 
I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was a, that was the first. Was that the first moth spack, or certainly was the one of the earlier ones? Well, all the spacks. Um, and the spack uh, phenomena is amazing to watch. Uh, remember, we have to add that in in proceeds for SPACs because eventually that basically becomes public companies as we see right. deal after deal done. And they all want to come on, of course, with us every single day. Everybody wants to be promoting their, their deal uh, so that they can get a good pop uh, at the outset. And obviously the promote itself is one reason why virtually everybody has a SPAC and a dream. Um, we know where a lot of these will end up, although quite a few of them have very well-heeled investors coming along in the pipes the private investment and public equity that we see that comes right. along with when they announce the deals. But there's a look at Virgin. I had one uh, Martin Franklin SPAC earlier this weekend. It's yeah. a terrific little company. I think yeah. it's worth, you know, it's a, a blocking, tackling company. But just think it? of all the different, I mean, I can go through, let's see, I had Longview. So they were the guys who had, what was it, the, the, the ultrasound or the portable ultrasound is going to replace the stethoscope. Yesterday right. I was talking to Brent Saunders about facials. The $27,000 unit that is used in places like Sephora yeah. to give a $200 facial sounded pretty cool. I mean, uh, QuantumScape with batteries. You go on and on for all these companies every day. Today, we got a weed company coming on later. Well, yes, I saw an yeah. earlier publication about that. They sounds map very where exciting. where your weed is. Seven expensive weed. Yeah. But, but Carl, before I lost we get, my weed. Where is it? Right, we'll before, give you a map for it. Before we get too negative. Airbnb, what is game, set, match? They won that category. DoorDash splitting the category with Uber. Uh, these are companies that almost should lose money in order to keep companies from coming in. At the same time, I read the Facebook uh, FTC, and it all makes me wonder, are you, must you fail in order to be able to have the government's blessing? Must you let some company come in and hurt you in order to be able to prove that you're an honest actor? Carl, the FTC, such an overreach today yep. that it makes me think, you know what? Be careful. If you're really smart and you make a lot of money for your shareholders, government gunning for you. Yeah, I heard you talking with Joe a moment ago about... Uh you know, these deals were approved. Uh, how much can the government go back in time? Uh, but I, I've also remembered you, Jim, saying that breakups had value. And you've certainly felt that way on Google. Do you not feel that way about Facebook? This is tougher because I really think that Instagram uh, is integral. And I don't want to own Facebook. I want to own the Instagram, Instagram Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, not, not making any money. But the rest of the companies funding it until it, uh, they decide to make money. This one is a lot different. It's harder to unwind. Uh, I, I just think that Google had been, has been such a disappointment in terms of its earnings potential uh, that, therefore, I'd love to own some YouTube. Uh, I think that Waymo uh, would be worth a lot. That's autonomous driving. Who doesn't want to own Google Cloud with Thomas Curry and running the company? I think that the, just to own any of their hardware would be great. David, the fact mm. is, is that this was the first quarter where Google seemed to recognize that it has to show discipline and started breaking down divisions, almost as if if you don't perform in your division, you will be pointed out, David. I felt that there was accountability in that Google quarter, and that's why I liked it. Yeah, and it, the stock did re, uh, rebound dramatically, or at least I should say started to approximate some of the performance of its peers because right. it had underperformed uh, yes. until that last quarter, Jim. But on, on the subject of Facebook, you know, listen, it's going to be years um, – Instagram had 13 employees when they bought it. He paid a billion dollars. Right. But, you know, did uh, Kevin Systrom sort of see the writing on the wall saying, well, if I don't let you buy me, you're going to put me out of business. And his quote's and, the most damning of the whole and Facebook. That is, and that is, you know, it's very hard for antitrust regulators at the time when you're buying a company with 13 employees to necessarily say it's going to be anti-competitive. 
at the same time, when you look back, you perhaps can see that it that it is or, or would be or, or or yeah is currently. And the same could be said of WhatsApp or, or even Oculus. Well, yeah, um, yes. But, you know, where this all leads well, let's let's check in in three years. Yeah, Wendy's has uh, got a dollar than, upgrade. Where's the yeah, beef? Other than antitrust attorneys, just, I mean, David, my God, they are just having a great go of it. David, days. is it possible yeah. that the only thing that the FTC has is this redacted <laughs> quote? <laughs> I mean, I read through this thing and I said, all right, I'm going to get to it where they have them. I'm going to get to the gotcha. I'm going to get to the gotcha. And then I finished and I said, Geez, where's the smoking gun? There's no smoking gun. Hey, they had an existential threat they were facing, okay? So are they supposed to let that existential threat beat them? Is that what's supposed to happen? Hey, let's lose one for the Gipper. I mean, come on. No, (laughs) I know. What do you mean you know? Uh, Jim. Pebble Pfizer and Biden. Cowan has some. I'm sorry. Cowan has some predictions on tech for 2021. They do expect uh, Biden to continue the antitrust lawsuits against Google, Facebook. FTC lawsuit chance on Amazon, 60 percent in Cowan's view and 40 percent chance on Apple, Jim. Well, yeah, I want Amazon to be worse. I mean, there's nothing like those ba- the stack of boxes I had last night that my wife ordered. I need FT. I need them to be a much worse company, and I want them to lose to Chewy. I mean, what are these guys thinking? We are lucky to have these companies. Everybody in me. How many kids are using right now their schoolwork? They're using Google. It's you know, it's the worst thing that happens. These companies have made our lives great. Why don't they go after the companies that have made our lives miserable? How about going after the carbon companies? What's the matter with that, David? Let's go after. Carbon. Okay. They're all together, right? It's like Standard Oil, remember? Sure. Uh, that's fine. I think people are. There's certainly, uh, there's certainly some agitating going on in some I, of the carbon companies. I have Mike Worth on Chevron. They're, they're actually a decent actor. Yeah, I they're trying. They're trying, and he seems to be very make a willing to come com- on and articulate yeah. why. I want to know how he could be zero carbon. I asked that. Yeah. With a straight face. It's very hard to imagine. For a carbon company to be, straight, to be a yeah. carbon neutral? Yeah. He said he wasn't going to lose a lot of money to be carbon neutral, but I think if Facebook lost a lot of money and made a lot of stupid acquisitions and were moronic about what they did, yes! Three cheers for capitalism. FTC, I mean, come on. What? And 48 states. Yeah. Don't, don't 48 states, yeah, they Pretty got a lot. The entire how, about, United how about worrying about the 3,000 yeah. people who died and have everybody uh, yesterday well, and everyone? No, no, we got to break up. We have to break up Netflix. Not, uh, no, because Netflix has too many good movies. That's wrong. We need losers from Netflix. Okay? The um, Rooks Gambit. There. Carl, I'm a little fired up about trying to get companies to be worse I, than I they like are. It. Yeah, I, I like it, Jim. We got a lot to get to in the way of calls today. Downgrades of booking, Expedia, Tesla, Best Buy. I got double upgrades for Levi Ralph Lauren. We'll talk about what the FDA may say today about Pfizer's vaccine. And of course, Brian Chesky of Airbnb on their debut. Don't go anywhere. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. An FDA panel is meeting right now ahead of a vote on whether to recommend approval of Pfizer's COVID vaccine for emergency use. Very big day. We're going to start it with Meg Terrell this hour. Hey, Meg. 
Hey guys, well, if you want, you can tune in and watch eight hours of deliberation over the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine. It has just kicked off uh, and they're going to be talking all day. This is a group of outside medical ex experts, advisors to the FDA. Uh, there are going to be presentations on the data safety and efficacy behind the vaccine. And then they're going to take a vote later today. After that vote, the FDA then makes its decision. Uh, Dr. Stephen Hahn, the FDA commissioner, was on the Today Show this morning, asked how soon they could decide after this vote Here's what he told them. We'll have to see what the scientific and medical discussion is today, but our plan is to take their recommendations into account for our decision making and make a decision shortly thereafter. Again, it really depends upon the complexity of the issues discussed, uh, but we intend to act quickly. So guys, what does today look like? Well, we're going to start out with a presentation from the FDA on all the considerations for emergency use authorization. We're also going to hear later this morning from the CDC about how they plan to monitor the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine as it rolls out and also about the distribution plans. There will be time for public hearing where people can weigh in with their thoughts from the public. Pfizer will present its data and then it goes to this committee discussion and the vote on whether the data support emergency use authorization here. Uh, now, guys, what happens after that? Well, it depends on how quickly the FDA acts, but Operation Warp Speed says that distribution will start 24 hours uh, from, from the time of that issuance of the emergency use authorization. Uh, at the same time, guys, a CDC advisory committee has scheduled emergency meetings tomorrow and Sunday so that it can give its stamp of approval on the vaccine uh, after the FDA does, and we could potentially be seeing the first shots going in arms next week, guys. David, back over to you. Yeah, Meg, I had a question for you. I don't know if you've seen this note from Umaraf at, uh, at uh, Evercore ISI. I guess, it, you know, we got some data here from this trial, 38,000 uh, patients from the trial you're talking about, uh, where there was 19 of the 1,125 uh, participants in the Pfizer trial who had prior COVID before entering the study got reinfected. And he's talking yeah. about sort of wondering about that and about reinfection rates because we really don't have a lot of data on that. You have any insight at all for us or is it something we should at least be aware of? Well, I thought that note from Umar was was incredibly interesting because one of the things yes. that clinical trials do for us is they give us these controlled settings of really following what happens with people with COVID. And so uh, this wasn't something that was related to the vaccine, but it is a way of trying to better understand the rates of reinfection with this disease. Uh, and it showed that, it, you know, it isn't, I mean, it's rare, but it's not as rare as we might think. You know, we hear about a case here, we hear about a case there. Well, in this trial, we heard about several cases uh, in a trial of 44,000 people. Uh, so trying to understand those rates. Um, it was interesting because, of course, he was looking at the split between those on vaccine and those on placebo. And we know the vaccine after two shots protects with 95% efficacy against getting the disease. Um, but they found that within the first shot and the second shot, they did see uh, cases of reinfection as well. And so it was just a, a way to better understand this disease. And these trials will be so useful for that. You know, Meg, Jim, one of the things I'm kind of confused about country like Canada is usually way behind the U.S. when it approves something, the U.K. too. I know that you could say, well, Jim, what's a day? What's two? Well, a day is 3,000 people dead. Why is the United States after Canada? What is taking so long? Is it because the president's busy sending us emails like I just got? We will never surrender. We will never win. Or the FDA just says, look, you know, we've we got to spend even more time on this than everybody else. Uh, I don't understand the few days delay in an, in an era where 3,000 people are dying which is the same that died on 9-11. 
Yeah, the numbers are, are just awful. What we've heard from the FDA is that they needed to do their own analysis of all of the data from these trials. Uh, so really breaking it apart and putting together those briefing documents that we saw on Tuesday. And then to have this open forum today uh, to show the transparency and the rigor with which they they look at these things. And so they said it just did take this long to get to this point, And they say they'll act quickly. Uh, but they also point out, you know, there is hesitancy among people in this country to get vaccinated. And they hope that by making this so public and showing uh, how strongly they, they adhere to scientific rigor, that they will convince people, if they give the green light, that this vaccine is safe and that it works. Uh, that's, uh, that hesitancy on vaccine is one reason City downgraded <laughs> booking and Expedia today. Uh, Meg, we'll talk more about some of the after effects. Hopefully we'll get some news uh, very soon on the FDA and, and the Pfizer vaccine. In the meantime, we'll take a break. Don't forget Airbnb, a very big story today. We'll check in with Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky on the company's public debut. It's coming up later on this hour. Squawk of the Streets back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We look forward to chatting with uh, Brian Chesky of Airbnb, Jim, uh, in a few minutes on IPO Day. He had spoken to uh, Andrew earlier, said they had at one point contemplated a direct listing, uh, talked about them being in a category of one, hard to compare them to the OTAs or the hotels, and had some interesting comments about how he thinks business and leisure travel are going to change in the next few years. Well, I do think that when I listened to him today, I was kind of stunned that uh, he, this is something I was mentioning to David. He said, no, he won. I mean, there, it's true, there's Verbo, whatever, but it's very rare that you have one company that dominates an industry when you think of the hotel business. I, mean, I, can, name, I can name 25 operators myself, but there is really one Airbnb. There's a highest end that you might be able to say is a niche business, but no one's really been able to come in, Carl, and say, you know what? We can come in under these guys. We can do something better. They have the mousetrap. I wonder if the FTC, I'm not being facetious, if the FTC looks at this company and says, you know what? These guys have squelched competition. There's no way they could be this good. Uh, because that's who they, what, David? No, I mean, I don't think that's a, a danger at this point. There are plenty well, of others. I was being a little facetious, David. I, I understand. You were very uh, vociferous in your opposition to that FTC lawsuit against Well, the, I like successful companies Facebook. and I dislike fa failures. I know, but you could question whether they're squelching innovation. Why don't we break up the Yankees? Um, well, yeah. That was a reference to murders row. Right? I understand. I understand. You know, uh, what I, of course, we really wonder is what, what is the stock? 68, well, well above the initial pricing range right. for Airbnb. We watched DoorDash yesterday. I would point out, though, a year ago, DoorDash 
you know, he was sitting there with General Atlantic, that is Tony, right. saying, oh, my God, you're going to do around at $9 billion. And now yesterday, DoorDash was $71 billion at the close. Airbnb was valued at $35 billion for a long period of time. Right. This is not as big a move up, at least, no, as DoorDash did, saw. They did around at $18 Carl, billion, in the, David. In the markets. Yeah. Carl? Yeah. At the opening bell, guys, uh, NYSE, it's desktop metal. I was on Squawk earlier, technology company that designs and markets 3D printing systems. Of course, at the NASDAQ, it is Airbnb celebrating its IPO. We'll talk to Brian Chesky uh, in a few moments. By the way, guys, obviously not a lot of research out yet, but Wolf uh, did initiate, outperform Jim, 135. Right. So we'll, we'll look to see how that fills in. Well, look, when I, I think that the, sometimes the companies, I want to ask Brian this, they almost want uh, a little more control and restraint. Uh, from the buyers, I have what David just said about the phenomenal, really incredible gain in the in the wealth and worth of uh, DoorDash is daunting, and I don't think makes sense. I mean, I don't know, David. Should it be at 13 times sales? No, I mean I know. it's trading at four times the sales multiple of Takeaway, one of its competitors. Well, what can I say? Again, they do not have a game set match. They are not like Airbnb. They are, there are our competitors. And they're well-funded competitors, and Uber is a well-funded competitor. Not to mention, they're, they're, I mean, we know because of the incredible bump they've had as a result of the pandemic, they're, they're going to see a deceleration. Have to. Yeah. Uh, I'll question whether Airbnb does, because there's, there's, th- there's some secular right. trends in Airbnb, Sorry, but talking. there's cyclical trends in DoorDash, and there's cyclical trends when it comes to the notion of going out if we don't get a stimulus package, and maybe we do have, I think the va- vaccine, that vaccine could make it so we want to go back to restaurants again, and we don't need them as much. I mean, DoorDash, David, the single reason why they really accelerated was because you were hoping to get incremental dollars because you were only allowed to have a quarter of the seats, at least in New York. Now, they are suburban uh, and they do a great job, but I just think that they had unique circumstances that made them so that they had a wind at their back. I have Stitch Fix on tonight. Have you seen that little double there? I have. Well, 38% short position. They, people didn't realize, you know what? People don't necessarily want to go to TJ Maxx and get a dress that day. Understood. Right. They like it coming in a box. Yes. Powered by They AI. like five things coming in a box, a little treasure, treasure hunt. You, know. mm-hmm. you can go direct. I mean, Carl, some of these companies do, are, don't have as much that is, uh, let's just say, uh, can't be duplicated. I mean, look, I think the world of DoorDash is a good customer. DoorDash, it was great when they cut the rates. But will they boost the rates back when the vaccine comes out? And suddenly we have to go back to, like, yeah. do we have our own? Do we make our waiters be drivers? We make a lot more money when we had our waiters uh, have uh, scooters. A lot more. Uh, you, raise an, you raise an important point, Jim, about uh, how the wallet share shift is going to change next year post-vaccine. I mean, Goldman has a pretty deep note this morning on how that's going to happen. They think it's going to happen over time. We sort of heard that from RH. Uh, but they do downgrade Best Buy because, in their view, the comps are going to be tough. Yeah. And the gross margin flow is just not where you would want to see it at this that point. That was a, yep, cut and dry. I read it and I said, that makes sense. Uh, versus, say, uh, when we so- talked to some Airbnb, it's going to have really fabulous comps. Uh, and that makes me like Airbnb more. I, th- I thought the Best Buy, I thought it was savage. I mean, here's a company that's really done great things, and the stock has been acting awfully. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I mean, they have this one paragraph, and the paragraph just says, downgrading BBY to sell. Uh, we are downgrading to sell. This is, a, is what we think will, the stock will do. It is not a negative view on the company. 
It is one of the best-run retailers, but there's going to be very strong compares. And, and Carl, when I read that, I just say, is that really all you have? I mean, honestly, <laughs> is, is that it? Well, it's very much in line with the new street downgraded Tesla, which you mentioned right. earlier. They go to neutral, long-term thesis, unchanged. Uh, but lack of near-term valuation catalysts. And they do point out this was the ideal week, in Pierre's view, uh, to raise capital. But there they got there. There's, a, there's the $1,200 target price, 75 times uh, the 2025 number. David, yeah. when I read that, when I'm supposed to, like, sell it now, but then get right back in it to the inclusion because I want to catch that uh, $1,200 share? Well, he, I mean, 2025, which is still a number of years away. But not for 75 the growth, multiple on that. That's not bad. Uh, I actually, yeah. yeah, I thought that was... I mean, yeah, what, that what? seems quite reasonable. Uh, listen, Jim, I, I don't know. Uh, does Tesla... Man, that currency. And they have a lot of cash. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they should just buy Toyota, GM, and Ford. David, that would, be, so, that would be such a terrible antitrust. I, I, you know, that's not to mention, all their investors would immediately leave in question. I they, bring it up because, of course, remember when AOL bought Time Warner. I, I thought you'd bring it up because Adobe's down. Uh, Adobe, Adobe is down. I was going to ask numbers. you about that because, of course, this is a name you followed closely. Record fourth quarter in fiscal 2020 revenue is what they're talking about at Adobe. $230 billion market value company. So let's spend a little time on it, Jim. What are your thoughts? They're talking, what, $12.87 billion, 15% year-over-year growth is what they saw well, I think uh, it's for the, for the uh, annual revenue. This stock has typically not acted well in the day it reports. Uh, and then a few days later, people get... Uh, Return to the religion of how great their different uh, verticals are. The digital experience is fantastic. The advertising cloud I thought was great. Uh, but this is also not a day for uh, when people are going to say, you know what, I really want to own another tech stock because I don't mind how much money these younger investors are going to have to sell yeah. in order to own Airbnb. Right. But that, David, the, the wall is red the wall because is red. Airbnb is a must get for a lot of these people who do make sales in order to be able to buy, who are not as well, well capitalized. Listen, we're going to wait, and we're, of course, waiting for that first trade. Yesterday, I talked 130 to 140, and I caveated that on DoorDash, thinking, well, you never know. And, of course, where was the first trade? 182. 182. Um, and then so it went we'll down to the 160s. That... Then it came back to 189. Did you see that last? Yeah. Almost as if someone said, don't let it close below where it opened, because then it's got bad karma. Uh, the, well, we'll the see juju's what that, bad. The what that means bad. for Airbnb. On the subject of speculation, Jim, yes. uh, every day I want to offer at least one uh, piece of evidence of this. Today it's going to be Greenwich Life Sciences. I don't know if you've seen this company, but we'll bring it up. Was that one that was up $70 at the end of the, yes, the bell? Yes, GLSI. Yeah. And, and they put a, a, something out yesterday. Listen, I mean, they showed promising results for breast cancer treatment. A poster for their GP2 phase uh, clinical trial, final efficacy analysis presented during the 2020 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. That was yesterday. Look at the move in that stock. That's just, well, that's, that's one week. That's absurd. 1,586%. Now, by the way, Bloomberg says that this company rallied, and this is what reminds me of 20-something years ago, trading chat rooms lit up with mentions of a poster presentation uh, showing promising data from an experimental breast cancer drug whose core findings, this is according to Bloomberg, have appeared in documents for months, including a June S1 filing. But that's what's happening right now. Yeah, there's are, there are. I mean, remember the chat rooms during the, the 90s again? Of course. Uh, Yahoo waiting. message boards. Well, this is. Remember all the people on there? I've been trying to tap into some of these people, and they usually like stocks that are like this one. 
Uh, I just, is there a short position? Do they know how to buy it? Do I mean, there's, a, there's a tiny float here. Tiny. Right. But it's worth mentioning if only just because something's wrong with the market that that could happen. Yeah, um, but that's the one today. We'll try and find one. There's every one every day. day, right? There is one every Should day. Should we just, you know, and by the way, when you read the chat, it's like, let's run this one. Well, you yeah. Know, let's, it, let's bag them and then gun them and then liquidate them. They're doing the old BGL, David. Yes. Yes. Bag them and liquidate them. Yeah. And I really think that this is not a good sign. Uh, do you want to know, what is Reddit saying today about, uh, uh, about Airbnb? What is Reddit? Did they take not, the numbers up? I have not checked in. I know. The Reddit chat rooms? And then we'll see if we get, you know, good old Mr. Pink. Remember him? From the, uh, from the old Yahoo message boards. We won't tell you who that was. Well, but, uh, that, he was more on the short side, typically. Well, so we don't want this. as an opportunity to attack people. But it was it, I'm not just saying it makes a mockery of the process, but uh, this is the kind of thing that makes people say, you know what, the, the, you can't trust this asset class again. we got to get away from that. Uh, we just can't have stocks go up like that without thinking that that's manipulation. Now, as soon as you mention that, people are going to say, oh, come on, Kramer. This is a great truck. Bristol Myers, Bristol Myers, which does in that same field, David, they, they could put out a release that's five times what this company did and can't get that stock up to dollar. Right. Well, that's, you know, what we're watching for. And that's why I pointed out yesterday with QuantumScape, it appeared that they were saying the same thing they had said in their initial presentation yes. when yes. they went public through uh, when they closed their deal. And yet the stock was up uh, multiples yesterday. Um, Today coming down, as you see, 10%. But yeah, still, escape, yeah. yeah, it's not bad. 582% year-to-date. I think most people will take that. Well, Tesla. Yeah. David, is a Tesla rainbow. Tesla is up over 600%. Right. So why is it? Look, at someone put an, a sell on Fisker. You know, Bill McDormand's on the board of Fisker, David. That's outrageous that they're putting a sell on <laughs> Workhorse, though. It's doing its work, man. Well, workhorse, that's that last mile. Right. Want, but that's a hold, David. I'm putting a, I'm putting a hold on that one. Okay. Lordstown, I'm putting a sell. Why? Because Where do you it, stand on Nikola these days, by the way? Well, they, um, your man still owns a nice chunk. Trevor Milton, my man. Yeah, your man. I just remember I, I've just, done that to you for 30 he, years. Yeah, yeah. He just reverts to me. Yeah, the only mine. guy who's not your man is, uh, is Mark Benioff. <laughs> No, even he's been compromised. Uh, he's, he's starting to come over. He's, you know. This is Disney's day. Why are we talking about Disney? We should be Why don't we talk about, about ATT buying something and then selling it? What looks to me, David, like a loss. I don't know. DirecTV, was that a good one? No, DirecTV was not a good one. We'll, well give see. me the numbers there. You know what? We won't, have a, we won't have a winner on the DirecTV deal. I've reported on it for some time, as you know. They may very well not sell an entire stake in it at all. It may really? be a much smaller percentage. We'll see how they end up. Probably not till January. Final bids are due uh, tomorrow, but it's going to be a process still. $66 billion um, they paid. What, what are they going to get? About $70, $80 billion? What are they going to get? <laughs> no, it may value, the, may value it at about 15 Overall. No, no. And again, 50, remember the transaction size will be small. No, you one said 55.015. But they paid 66 five years ago. That is correct. You yeah. must mean 5.0. No, it's like CVS, CBS, no. that kind of thing? Yeah, it's not. It's, it didn't go well. But you know what? There's a feeling that even, even though it won't even be a deleveraging transaction for AT&T, because the amount of debt that they actually send off, given the leverage ratio on the new entity, if in fact it even happens, right. will, will, I mean, they're going to give up $4.4 billion in, in cash flow. Well, Let's everybody, not so everybody touched it's not going to be deleveraging, right? but they do feel, Jim, as though psychologically it will remove. Psychological, yeah. There's and no one. It's important there's no for one investors from the to feel like we've right? moved on. Say no again. one from the company who made that is still out. Man, the you are just you are on fire. Well, today. like gold, you know, the, the GE settlement. Uh, the person who, who did that is not at the company anymore, and he's not the CEO. Not, and it's not the last CEO. No, you're right. It's not. 
well. I just think there's some accountability in the universe is okay. It is. It is fine, and we're but here to try and do that. The one thing I would say about ATT, and I know we get the music, is that the FTC is never going to go after them for that buy at DirecTV. Ever. <laughs> All right, coming up, Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky. He is going to be uh, joining us, of course. Big day for him as Airbnb goes public. Before we head to break, we'll give you a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. It is the bond report. Yields are moving lower. Jobless claims jumped, of course, last week to 835,000. You can see where we are in the 10-year note. Over in Europe, the ECB says it's going to increase its ongoing bond purchase stimulus by 500 billion euros. That will reach more than 1.8 trillion. Yield on the German 10-year, by the way, actually up. But, man, what do we got? 17, 18 trillion in negative yielding debt around the world. The euro, by the way, also rising in reaction to the ECB's announcement. And let's finish with the pound, extending its losses on worries about those talks involving Brexit. Last night's dinner between the U.K. Prime Minister and European Commission President ended with both sides still far apart. I don't know what they ate. We'll be right back. Airbnb pricing at 68 last night, values the company at $47 billion. Our Deirdre Bosa joins us this morning with a very special guest. Hey, Dee. Hey, Carl. Thanks for that. And hello, Brian. Good morning. What a wild year it's been. Oh, my God. It's, it's been quite a year. I did not think when this year started it would be like this. Yeah, neither did I, to be honest. At one point, not that long ago, you saw your valuation slash to some $18 billion. You priced above your range, though. You're looking at a valuation right now of $47 billion. Do you, as CEO, and what you'll have to deliver, worry that valuations have gotten out of hand? You know, I don't think I'm going to worry much more than in April and May when we saw our business drop 80% in eight weeks in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm, I'm just, I just want to say I'm so grateful to be here today, so fortunate, and I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for all the people who helped us, our guest, our host, and everyone who helped build Airbnb. At the same time, Brian, those heightened expectations and this really hot IPO climate that we find ourselves in, um, that could perhaps lead you or expectations to grow quicker than you had planned. And this year, as we've talked about, has really been a year of cost cutting. You guys had to lay off about a quarter of your workforce. So what does next year look like? Do you bring back some new priorities, ramp up investments that you'd scaled back this year? Well, I mean, this year, um, one of the things we had to do is get really focused. And we've gotten focused on our core host community that offers homes and experiences. And, you know, when the world is ready to travel again, we will be ready. And so we are focused on making sure that our hosts are ready to welcome guests when they're ready to leave their houses and it's safe to do so. And so, I mean, we are we are ready regardless of what happens with this IPO. We are going to be ready. Right. And so as you look ahead to next year in 2022, as the economy reopens and people do travel again, what are you prioritizing in terms of the business? Well, you know, once again, like when I started with my two co-founders, we are in a recession and we think that millions of people are going to turn to Airbnb for economic uh, assistance. And I think hosting could be a benefit. So we want to really help unlock hosting all over the world. And then we want to continue to make our product much easier. You know, now people are coming to Airbnb. They don't even necessarily have a destination mind or dates because they're flexible. We're all obviously on Zoom. And so people are saying, I want to go 
anywhere 300 miles around me, what can you show me? And so now we're going to be getting a little bit more in the game of inspiration and matching people to the perfect home experience for them. Right, but it sounds like you're still going to be focusing on your core, which is home sharing. And this year you did scale back on some of those other projects like real estate and hotel listings. But something that you didn't scale back on was experiences. It sounds like you guys are still moving full-fledged ahead. However, we didn't get a whole lot of detail regarding experiences in the S1. Is this something that you plan on giving more to investors, the level of profitability, um, how much in terms of revenue experiences takes up, what terms of investment you're looking at for this unit? Yeah, I mean, over time, we will continue to share more about experiences. And I will just say, you know, in life, timing is everything. And I thought this was going to be a breakout year for experiences. But of course, with the pandemic and social distancing, we had to put the product on pause. But I think, you know, next year, when it is safe to do so, we can only sit at home and watch so many shows on Netflix. Eventually, we're going to want to get outside, do some activities. And one of the things our guests tell us is they love experiences, at least from a customer satisfaction standpoint, even more than homes. So 82% of our guests who leave review in a home leave a five-star review, but experiences is more than 90%. So this is something we are very focused on, and I think it's just a matter of timing. Well, Brian, it's Jim. First, congratulations. Hey, amazing, amazing run. You know that in the days when it got ugly, <laughs> oh, man. it was a you and me believing in you. Yeah. Let me ask you yeah. something. How did we miss it? How did we miss that people wouldn't want to go into an elevator in a hotel and afraid to push a button or be in a little crowd or didn't want to be uh, talking to someone when they check in. How do we not figure that, you know what, a thing of Clorox, you have your own house, you clean it up, that it was safe. That's the thing that just drove me crazy. That people didn't immediately get, well, I got a place I can go, Airbnb, that's clean. That I won't get sick at. Well, I think, Jim, it's a really good point. A lot of times we try to look at what happened in the history to project the future. For example, a lot of people were expecting hotels to reopen sooner. And the reason why was after 9-11 and 2008, business travel recovered before leisure travel. But of course, in the world of Zoom, the future does not look at all like the past. And of course, in a pandemic, people didn't want to be in crowded lobbies, obviously. They wanted the privacy of a home. And I think people want to be with the people they can connect and love with. And obviously, a home is a really good way to do that. So, you know, I think I think that kind of worked out for a lot of people. And I think that explains some of our rebound in Q3. What you had to do was very tough. I know that you took it to heart. Of course, you're human, but it really crushed you. Twenty five percent employees laid off. Can you bring those people back? Did you bring them back? And did people get stock in this? What's going to end up being a great deal? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we did is everyone that um, was laid off was invited to opt into an alumni directory. Basically, we said we will publish your information if you opt in and we'll let recruiters reach out to you. We did that and more than half a million people visited their profiles. So a number of them uh, got jobs. Some of them have been hired back. But as this business continues to recover, we would love to continue to welcome more employees back. And yes, um, anyone that had stock was obviously able to keep whatever stock would have invested at that point. Brian, something that caught my eye and a number of folks' eye in your IPO prospectus is that Airbnb gets about 90% of its traffic organically through direct or unpaid channels. I wonder what kind of opportunity does that open up for you in the future in terms of your ambitions, even moonshots? Is there something in payments, advertising, perhaps your own cryptocurrency? (laughs) Well, I mean... Deirdre, you know, yes, it's very important. The the reason around 90% of our traffic was direct is because we have a brand 
that's kind of used as a noun and a verb around the world. And that's because people are really passionate about the product we offer that's unique. You can't get anywhere else, obviously. And so that means when people come direct to Airbnb, again, we can be much more in the business of inspiration. People come to Airbnb to figure out where they want to travel to. They can, and so this is a really, really big opportunity. And we've really custom built this platform specifically for the Airbnb way of traveling. It's a whole new category. And so I think we've done a lot of the heavy lifting to get here. So yes, Deidre, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to go in a number of different directions. What specifically are you looking at something in advertising? As you say, you sort of created this ecosystem. How do you now keep people within or bring more businesses into the ecosystem to take greater advantage of that? Well, I mean, there's a couple things that we're looking at. I mean, number one, we provide tools and services to allow anyone to be a host. And, you know, now you can be a host for five minutes from your phone. And we want to continue to develop and unlock new tools and services to bring millions of more people on the platform to be hosts. But on the guest side, we think there's a lot of opportunities as well. For example, um, something a lot of people don't know, last year, 14% of our business stays longer than 28 days. That's now growing more than 50%. And so what's happening is traveling and living are starting to blur together in this world of flexibility. People aren't just going to the same 20 cities. They're not just traveling for business for two nights. They're actually starting to live all over the world, and they're doing it on Airbnb. And that opens the door to so many different possibilities of services and offerings that we can now do because people really want to feel grounded where they're living. Hmm. That's a a fascinating stat that those stays are getting longer. Perhaps there's opportunity in property management. Um, I want to switch topics a little bit and ask you about China, which has been a bit of a hot button issue. Um, Is there any point at which you would decide that being in China, operating in China is not worth it? Say, for example, the government wanted to do more with the host information that you have to supply to them. Well, I mean, we, we made a decision a number of years ago that, it, that we were going to have um, standards of privacy in China that were consistent with what hotel companies like Marriott and Hilton do. So if you go to a Hilton in in China or a Marriott, they have a certain standard of information they share. And we said, we will comply with that level of standard because the American consumer seems to be comfortable with that. And that is a threshold that we're comfortable with. I don't really want to get into a hypothetical um, on what if, but you know, we are uh, really proud of the business we have there. But of course, that's just one of 220 countries and regions that we're in. We are one of the most global internet companies. And so you know, we are we operate nearly every country and region and every every place is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Brian, um, other tech companies have had to make these really tough decisions. If the requirements become too onerous, are you ready to make those kinds of tough decisions and perhaps sacrifices in the future? I think I've shown and we've shown that we are prepared to make tough decisions when we need to. We are prepared. And if you look at the last eight months, Every step of the way, we've tried to do our very best to take care of our stakeholders, whether it's our guests, our hosts, our communities, and always decide not just make a business decision, but do a principal decision, even when you're not sure what the outcome is going to look like. And I think if you do that kind of stuff and you act in that way, I think the business eventually turns itself around. Let's talk about some of those stakeholders and regulations, which I know that we have spent a lot of time talking about over the past few years. Airbnb has certainly had some wins. There's some work to do, uh, particularly I know you guys have done a lot surrounding those party homes in particular. But um, more broadly, in light of the heightened scrutiny we are seeing of big tech, Facebook being the latest example just yesterday, 
Are you preparing for regulatory pressures to increase, not just at the municipal level, which you guys have typically dealt with, but at the state and federal level as well? I mean, we are always prepared. And, you know, it's, you know, most most Internet companies, they got regulation and they got scrutiny because they were big. We actually got scrutiny while we were still operating in a three bedroom apartment because, you know, Airbnb exists in people's neighborhoods. And, you know, I, I learned some difficult lessons. I learned that, you know, when you have a challenge, you should talk to them and you should meet people face to face and you should partner with cities. And, you know, I wish we had been uh, faster and more proactive, but I will tell you that I'm proud that we've now collected and remitted billions of dollars of hotel occupancy tax. We're one of the largest collectors and remitters of hotel occupancy tax in the world. We forward relationships with hundreds of cities. And I think that in some ways, COVID has offered a little bit of a reset because I think that cities certainly um, need economic um, assistance. And I think Airbnb could be a solution to some of the challenges, but our, our principle is to be transparent, to be good partners. And we know that, you know, um, you know, we're afforded the right to exist and we appreciate that. Right. And lastly, Brian, uh, when we spoke over the summer, you said that travel as we know it uh, isn't coming back. I wonder how you see it recovering now, especially in terms of home sharing versus hotel. Do you think that beyond the pandemic, people are still going to want to get in their cars and travel to home rentals instead of going to hotels and having everything taken care of for them? You know, travel is going to be back. And I think that um, if this if, if our air IPO represents anything, I think it represents that our hosts are coming back and that travel's coming back. But to be very clear, travel is never going to look like it did in January because the world is never going to look like it did in January. And I think what it's going to mean is that travel is going to get redistributed to thousands of cities. And I think people are going to stay longer and they're going to be looking for more intimate, authentic experiences. And anyone that provides that. I think it's going to be a part of this bright future for travel. Well, Brian, I know that you have uh, and your team have pioneered a new way of travel. We look forward to seeing uh, what you do in the years ahead now as a public company. Congratulations to you and the whole team. And uh, we look forward. I personally look forward to covering you guys as a public company now going yeah. forward. Good luck. Well, thank you very much. And thank you, Jim. Carl, back over to you. All right, guys. That great stuff, D. Thanks so much. Uh, Jim, what's on tonight? Interview. Okay, so I've got Stitch Fix. I mean, talking about stock just went up 20 bucks. Katrina Lake, just a, a brilliant woman. We're going to find out what they're doing. And then Michael, Misal, this is Edwards Life Sciences. People don't know this. This is You don't have to crack the chest cavity uh, in order to be able to fix somebody's heart. It's EW that did it right. So I can't wait for tonight's show. I love today's show. I love David's yeah, skepticism. We've done some good work so far. Yeah. I think uh, it's just time to started. The Greenwich we'll Life Sciences, we got to stop this stuff. The government's not going to do it, Carl. We have to do it. Thank you. Jim, we'll see you at 6. Yeah. Mad Money with Jim Cramer, of course, right here on CNBC. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, 
and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.